0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. It is a Tuesday edition of the show. want to say what up, and we appreciate everybody in the chat, the pewter people, which we will be uh, conversing with throughout this show, as today's topic is pro football focuses, offensive player rankings for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. PFF, of course, is an amazing website. Some of our colleagues work over there, such as uh, Pewter Report alumni Trevor Sykema, who was part of some of these offensive player rankings. So we'll talk about where the Bucks were listed on, at some of these positions and uh, should be a very fun show to get into. Uh, let me know, everyone in the chat, if you can hear me right now, um, because I'm hearing some different options at the moment. But I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is James Hill of pewterreport.com. James, how are you doing?
1: Uh, Matt, I I don't think anybody can hear you, brother. Hmm. Hold on one moment. Let's see.
0: Matt, people are saying they can hear me. Yeah, people are saying they can hear me. Okay. So I think you can't hear me at the moment. Let me know if you get Peter people, you can hear me. All right, cool. Well, we're off and running. Uh, Everyone's saying that you can hear both of us. So, James, uh, not sure why you can't hear me in the moment. But we will get to the uh, player rankings. Uh, First, did want to address an article that we spoke about or that we wrote about earlier today. And that, of course, is the news over Antonio Brown. Um, He was in the news once again. I'll throw the article uh, in the chat. Uh, But Antonio Brown talking about the Bucks incident again uh, for the millionth time. I believe he was on Tyreek Hill's show. Um, One moment, please. Let's see what Brown had to say. Yeah, he was on Tyreek Hill's podcast. And everyone's saying that they can hear both of us. So, James, I would just recommend uh, – you probably can't even hear me, so I'll just text you. All right, James is going to hop off for just a moment. Um, in the meantime, I will keep it moving. And this article. So, if everyone remembers um, Antonio Brown, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It started out – he signed like halfway through the season during the Bucs uh, 2020 Super Bowl winning season – Um, Helped the team out uh, very, very well. Even scored a touchdown in the uh, Super Bowl game itself. The next season, not as ideal. He got hurt early on in the year and uh, came back later. And then, of course, had the infamous moment where he just quit on the team. And, you know, and, uh, (laughs) and just said, peace, deuces leaving the game against uh, the New York Jets when the Bucks, uh miraculously made a comeback. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. James, welcome back to the show. Can you hear me? I can hear you.
1: Oh, my cool. goodness. That was a scary <laughs> moment, but we're back.
0: Yeah, that's all right. Uh, cool. You know, same thing happened when Dave Canales was on, and we rebounded fine. So, James, Perfect. I was just uh, kind of recapping the Antonio Brown incident, what went on with all of that. Um, and, you know, he was telling tyreek hill and, and the podcast that he didn't think the bucks were grateful for him he felt kind of like lied and deceived deceived when tom brady said he was going to feed him the ball against the new york jets giving him 10 to 12 touches which is crazy that he was angry about that because i believe he had five at halftime or at least like midway through the third quarter uh, just your overall thoughts about brown's appearance on that podcast
1: yeah, I mean, look, it, at the end of the day, I mean, y- you probably expect stuff like this at this point, right? Like, you know, quotes like that from Antonio Brown and and just kind of that type of mentality. You know, it's, it's Brown's done it to every single team he's been a part of. Right. And yeah, at the at the end of the day, it is what it is. You know, I mean, the guy hasn't played for the team. The guy hasn't played in the NFL period since that whole incident with the New York Jets happened where, you know, he'd left in the middle of the game. It is what it is, man. Um, you know, it, it just gets more and more just like, I guess, eye roll type of reaction whenever you hear stuff like that. Because it's just, it's the same type of stuff every single time, man. It's Antonio Brown doesn't feel appreciated anywhere he is. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the common denominator there is, is uh, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with those organizations. Maybe it has to do with the guy himself.
0: Right. As Wayne Hankinson says, A.B. the victim, it very much feels like A.B. is always playing the woe is me card. Like he had an issue with the Steelers, which the Steelers have been, you know, one of the most well-run organizations in the history of the NFL. That's why they're one of the longest tenured franchises, too. Um, And then, you know, we have the whole incident with the Raiders, what went on there um, with the helmet saga and and getting in a fight with the GM before he even played a game. So, you know, going to the Bucks was his last straw, really. And, you know, Tom Brady kind of stuck his neck out there for for Antonio Brown, gave him a place to stay. So just to, like, completely, you know, diss Tom Brady, I think, was absolutely wild. And every single thing that Antonio Brown said, could be oh i forgot he even went to new england because he was there for like a half a second and then got cut by the team um but everything that he said like can be refuted for example the targets where he you know what's the second most targeted guy in that game against the jets before he dipped out the fact that he was angry over the incentives you know the bucks had games where they specifically helped everyone get their receptions quoted by doing little touch passes. They literally did it with Antonio Brown the season before. And then the kicker out of all of this, James, is the fact that, you know, (laughs) even after the fact, he's still, you know, crapping on Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. He posts the wrong picture of his x-ray of like, oh, look at my ankle. And then everyone realized it was, either the wrong picture or it was a different picture from a later time where there wasn't that ankle injury so every single thing he said can be refuted and I don't know he just doesn't look like the doesn't look like he's in the right with any of this
1: I mean out of you, you know what I mean like you're you're literally saying that the greatest quarterback player probably in NFL history, like didn't appreciate you, like (laughs) even though time and time and time again, Tom Brady was fighting for Antonio Brown saying, hey, guys, just trust me. You know, I I can I can make it work, you know, and and Brady did for a while and the Buccaneers made it work for a while, but can only go so far with with these types of things, apparently before something goes wrong and and, and something went wrong. And, you know, again, for, for Antonio Brown to say that, You know, all these different types of things, you know, I wasn't appreciated. They didn't want to give me the ball. It's just ludicrous, in my opinion.
0: And then he keeps getting in trouble, too, with different things. You know, uh, he just bought a, I forgot what football team it is. It's like the National Indoor League, the Albany Empire. And he got his team kicked out of the league because he refused to uh, pay the league fees. And then his own team is suing him now because he's not paying the players. So uh, it it truly is a, a hypocritical thing. With all of that said, I still think it was worth getting Antonio Brown. With yeah. all the headaches and everything we've seen, the Bucs still won a Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, I still think it's worth it. I'm curious what you think, James, and curious what everyone in the chat thinks as well. If Was it still, at the end of the, end of the day, worth getting Antonio Brown for kind of like a half a season? Yeah, like a, a season and a half, essentially.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, like, obviously it didn't end well you know of course he he left on the team and whatnot and now he's saying all these different types of things but at the end of the day those are just words man you know at at the end of the day he was with the bucks he did help him win a super bowl got the help the buccaneers get a ring was a you know big part of why that was the case yeah i would say it was definitely worth it we we had talked about it before you know Matt here at Peter report where this whole time it was going to be a low risk high reward type of thing and And, you know, those risks did end up happening, but the rewards didn't did end up happening as well. So at the end of the day, you know, you got the whole experience there with Antonio Brown. Um, Now, if it would have only lasted a couple of weeks, wouldn't have been worth it, in my opinion. I don't think it would have been worth it. But you had him for long enough to where it was worth it, in in my thoughts and opinions on that.
0: Right. Because if the end goal is to win a Super Bowl, then, yes, it was worth it. They completed the goal. If it was anything short, then I would say no, it wasn't worth it. But, you know, right. that's the price you pay. Lego Cookie says AB was 100% worth it. Shane Lambert puts the uh, the ring uh, graphic up. So I'm counting that as a yes. <laughs> Nathan Elliott says Antonio Brown, we got a Super Bowl victory. The Bucs have twice as many as the Saints. Well, they have one more than the Saints. So, uh, yeah, I guess technically <laughs> that's true. Technically. Yeah, technically it's true. Uh, Tom Bucks fan says his email saying he was not going to play, avoid a $30 million guarantee from Oakland. Yeah, not the wisest of decisions. And uh, this last comment here, football fan says it was worth it because BA's offense required major talent for it to be successful. Absolutely true. They needed a lot of guys to win those one-on-one opportunities. Won't necessarily have to be the case with new offensive coordinator Dave Canales and the new offense he's implementing. We've talked about that a lot. A new zone style rushing attack, a more of an emphasis of running it uh, mesh routes, shorter option routes, or at least just, you know, crossers and things of that nature to get everybody open. So we'll see after this year where some of the player rankings, uh, how they will look like, but let's get into the offensive player rankings for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as we saw on pro football focus, big fans of PFF. They do a tremendous job of uh, not only writing stories, but just, you know, the analytics of the game, all the individual stats you can find of players, such as like when a corner's in the slot versus covering in man or in zone. So very, very useful tool from pro football focus. Uh, cannot recommend it enough. If you are, Trying to dig a little deeper into the overall outlook of, uh, you know, the details of the game we love so much, the NFL. So let's start off with the quarterback position, shall we? Um, in this article, we are specifically talking about Baker Mayfield in this one. This was an article back in May written by Sam Monson. And um, the Bucks are ranked Fairly towards the bottom, understandably so. And this is with the assumption that Baker Mayfield is going to win the job. So out of 32 quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield is ranked 28th on this list. And uh, Monson goes on to say, It's difficult to argue that Mayfield's 2022 season was easily predictable, but it's equally difficult to maintain any kind of lofty expectations for him going forward after witnessing it. His 50.6 PFF grade on the year was 13 grading points lower than his previous career worst mark, which involved a torn shoulder. And it speaks volumes that the Rams were happy to let him walk after he led the team to remarkable wins just after stepping off the plane after they traded for him. Mayfield has very good play on his NFL resume, but it's getting harder and harder to see it in the rear view mirror. Now, the bright side of this is that he is not the worst ranked NFC South quarterback. He is second to last because coming in at 31st is Desmond Ritter of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, James, I will ask you, though, how do you feel uh, this ranking goes? Is it properly rated? Is it uh, it a little too high? Is it a little too low? Not that you can get that much uh, further down the list. Uh, Give me your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think that this ranking, it does make sense, right? Because look, folks, admittedly, at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield did not have a great year last year with the Carolina Panthers. Things got a little bit better with the L.A. Rams, but overall, it was a rough year for Baker, right? And Baker has a lot to prove right now. He's in a quarterback competition with Kyle Trask. In my opinion, I think that Baker is a a really strong chance to win that starting job, but Is this Baker Mayfield's last chance as a starting quarterback in this league? If he doesn't do well this upcoming year, you know, he may be a career backup for the remainder of his time in the NFL. I think that. That is a pretty legitimate thing that you can say. So Baker being, you know, really in that bottom tier of starting quarterbacks right now, it does make sense based on what happened last year, based on the situation that Baker Mayfield is in. He's got a lot to prove. Now, if he does good, obviously he'll go up in those rankings, but right now it it does make a lot of sense to me. Baker definitely is in a position where it's definitely make it or break it. And, you know, that's what Baker has to deal with right now. So, yeah, I think that this ranking is pretty appropriate given the circumstances that Mayfield finds himself in. Also, the recent history that Mayfield has as well in terms of his overall play last season.
0: Right. I'm I'm pretty much in a similar boat with you. You know, Baker at 28. You have to go by, you know, the previous groundwork. You You can't make this list. And to be fair, you can't make this list and decide oh, well, the potential of Baker could put him, let's just say like around 17 and at least be inside the top 20 because you could make that case with literally any other quarterback on this list. So you can't go by the Baker of three or four years ago when he was shining and and leading this team to the, the playoffs. Um, I think you could maybe bump him up another spot like Sam Howell's at 27 with mm-hmm. the commanders. And, and again, like Howell, the same thing you're you're riding on the overall <clears throat> the overall potential of what maybe he could turn into if uh, you know if it pans out for him in washington mm-hmm. you see some, and what's what's tough as well is you have you know rookie quarterbacks that have never played before but they are drafted you know within the top 5 top 10 so you, again you're banking on the skill set of what they have yeah. So the the ranking itself is fine. I'm curious what you think, though, of how far he could jump up? Because I mean, you look at this list: fourteen is Derek Carr, fifteen is Geno Smith, who had a renaissance year, you know. Jared Goff with the Lions. How many more years is he really going to be starting with them? Since they just drafted uh, Hendon Hooker, if I'm not mistaken, and I know Hooker's got to recover and everything like that. But you know, Justin Fields at eighteen, Tannehill at nineteen, Russell Wilson at twenty, Mac Jones at twenty-one, and. And uh, Kenny Pickett and Brock Purdy at 22 and 23. I can see the potential for Baker. Again, if he has a not a breakout year because he's been in the league, but if he has a career resurgence,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think he can get as high as 17 or 16, depending on the play of some of the other, um, you know, either rookie quarterbacks or some of these quarterbacks that are trying to really hang on and salvage their careers.
1: Well, firstly, let me say, too, like, I remember when I looked at this list, I thought, man, Baker could probably be up at, like, say, 25, right? You know, ahead of Sam Howell, Jordan Love, Bryce Young, maybe even, like, 24, not to put him above Jimmy Garoppolo, but me personally, I would probably have Kenny Pickett below Brock Purdy and Jimmy G, so maybe 24, 25 is where you could put Mayfield, but the peak of where Mayfield can be, I think you take a look at a former quarterback that, you know, Um, Dave Canales has already worked with Geno Smith. He's at number 15. Jared Goff is at number 16. Those are two guys that have re, you know, revived their careers under a good offensive coordinator, under good offensive play calling. That I think is where you can see the peak of Baker Mayfield being in the middle of the pack, be it 15, be it 16, You know, that I think is the peak of where you can see Baker Mayfield. If everything goes right, if you see a Geno Smith, Jared Goff type of resurgence for Baker Mayfield... That's where I think you could see him, you know, landing in terms of a quarterback rankings list in the future. Uh, that's kind of the peak, in my opinion. And, and even now, you know, again, I'd probably put him personally, I'd probably put him up in number 25, move him up a couple more spots than some of those, like what you were saying, Matt, inexperienced yeah. guys are there right now. But I think the peak is is somewhere in the middle of the pack in terms of quarterbacks.
0: And I'd say the bright side, the thing that Baker has going for him outside of, like, Dave Canales being there, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who we'll talk about in a little bit, it just takes one good season and everyone's in love with you again. It is very much a what-have-you-done-for-me league kind of late. Like, Geno Smith was out of the league, essentially. Like, he was a backup, but he was a backup without really – He didn't go to many situations where it was, oh, he could compete to be the starter. It was, there's a clear cut starting quarterback for the teams he was on. And Geno's there to back up in case there's injury or anything like that. And, you know, the same thing goes for a couple other guys on this list. Like, you know, Kenny Pickett didn't have a, you know, tremendous, or, you know, Kenny Pickett's still pretty young, but like Daniel Jones, I think is another guy. And many times people like to mock Daniel Jones and what he did for the Giants. And then, Last year, he had a pretty solid season and got that big contract that I think the Giants – personally, I think the Giants overpaid for, but you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because the Giants made the postseason. They knew they were in a situation where they weren't going to have a top five, top ten pick. So, you know, he only had so many options. Uh, Get to a couple comments. San Antogato says, Too bad not all the facts are ever stated when talking about Baker. Al Bundy kind of agrees with what you said James uh, Baker Mayfield is a 21 to 26th ranked quarterback and uh, Al later goes on to say if Baker doesn't get dumb and reckless being the NFC South and playing the AFC South Baker has the potential to get 15 to 20 ranking in stats our wide receiver crop Corp sorry is pretty good yeah I- I'm in full agreement you know he has the potential to get right around that top 15 which you want to talk about huge jumps and uh, you know career resurgences. I think definitely uh, is a huge boost for the box that they will gladly take. Now, James, this next position at running back, a little bit of disrespect, but I understand where a national writer is coming from with this list because this next article with the running backs written by uh, PFF's own Trevor Sykema, former uh, Pewter Report writer. And we love Trevor so much. Uh, he's been a huge mentor to me in my career. And always oh, great chatting with Trevor. Um, saw him at the Combine a couple of months ago when that was going on. Uh, but out of 32 running backs, just want to double check I didn't miss anything. There is not a Tampa Bay Buccaneer on this list. Now, granted, this was uh, written at the end of May. But James, no bucks. What gives, man?
1: Yeah, what a what a interesting situation for that, right? Because I know that at least in terms of local media, Bucks fans and whatnot, there's a lot of hype going on for Rashad White right now, right? They got rid of Leonard Fournette. Rashad White seems to be that guy. Heck, even recently here on the Pewter Report podcast, Dave Canales talked about Rashad White. Again, just giving so much praise for White and what he can potentially be in this Buccaneers offense, right? But as you said, You know, it's what have you done for me lately league and Rashad White, while he had a a relatively decent rookie season overall, he has still got a lot to prove. How is he going to look in this new Dave Canales Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense as the lead guy as the number one running back? What can he do in the passing game? You know, those are. All questions that are on a lot of people's minds, and while there is a lot of optimism, uh, there certainly still remains a lot left to be seen. So I believe that, yeah, come next year, Rashad White is going to be on this list, and where is he? Who knows? We're going to have to see how well he does, but you know what? I, I think that this is definitely an example, Matt, of like what you said. It's a, a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of situation. Rashad White, unfortunately, you know just didn't get enough opportunities last year I think to to 100% be considered on this list so far at this point
0: yeah I don't disagree with Trevor's list at all because we're all ta- I mean we just talked about it with Baker but I think a little bit more it's the potential of Rashad White like if you look at if you just looked at Rashad's stats You know, they don't add up to anyone on this list. He had one rushing touchdown and two receiving touchdowns. And to take that into consideration, Trevor has Jamal Williams, who's now with the Saints, at 25th in the league. And Williams led the league in rushing touchdowns last year with 17. So if you have a guy that was reaching the end zone at least once a game, how can you justify putting Rashad white, even like at 32, which he has David Montgomery now of the Detroit lions. Now the potential of Rashad white and the fact, as you said, that Leonard Fournette is not there anymore. I would be very surprised if Rashad white is not on this list next season, just because he is going to be the bell cow just because, you know, um, Dave Canales is going to be drawing up a lot of things for him, mostly in the run game, but in the passing game too. Um, it's very interesting to see the the ceiling that Rashad White can reach this year. What do you think that ceiling is, James?
1: Yeah, well, firstly, it's definitely, you know, being on this list. But number two is, you know, hey, it it all depends on what he showcases, you know, like I think that Rashad White can be, you know, let's say a, a, a top. Half top twenty running back in this league, something along those lines. If everything does go well for him, right? If he is used very smartly by Dave Canales, like you know, a lot of people here at Pewter Report and in the Bucks fan base think he is going to be used as a receiver, as a runner. I think that this is a very good offensive fit for Rashad White as well. Yeah, I think he's definitely a guy that you could maybe say is a top twenty running back. Certainly a top thirty-two running back. Of course, um, he he is definitely a guy that I think that. Can be up there in terms of of running back rankings and and really showcasing overall ability. So I think that that is definitely a ceiling for Rashad White, maybe like a top twenty type of ranking if everything does go well regarding Dave Canales and his offense and and everything along those lines.
0: Put it this way: if Rashad White, which we um recently wrote a story about him, well it was in the Bucks Monday mailbag. If Rashad White is the Bucks' first 1,000-yard rusher in however long ago it was when Doug Martin did it, I think he gets onto PFF's list. Now, the question is whether or not he'll be, you know, around 22, whether he gets into the top 15, maybe even top 10 if he goes absolutely bonkers this season. But it's more excitement with Rashad White. And Trevor knows the Bucks too. You know, if it was another national rider out there, I wouldn't even, like, bat an eye that Rashad's not on this list because – you got to give the national writers some slack. Like they're not watching every single practice of the bucks. Like we are, they have so many teams that they, you know, have to cover. Um, But there's another running back. I want to talk about as well. That is Keyshawn Vaughn. He's obviously not on this list, nor would we think he's going to be on this list, but how do you feel about him as the number two running back on the depth chart for the Bucks this year? Should they try to look at another veteran route? Are you putting any stock in guys like Ronnie Brown or Sean Tucker, if he's even able to, uh, you know, get healthy by training camp? Uh, what's your thoughts with that?
1: Well, that's that, you know, first, I'm happy you brought that up because that's going to be somebody I'm going to be talking about here on the channel coming up soon. Okay. In in terms of some content, bringing up Keyshawn Vaughn. And, you know, right now it's so interesting, right? Because Dave Canales had said, you know, hey, he can, he gets all the runs. He, he just, he's looking really good, right? I think was basically what, what it boils down to Dave Canales talking about. Now, right now, Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be in a training camp battle against Chase Edmonds, who Dave Canales described as lightning in a bottle, right? That's going to be the, You know, one of the bigger battles I think that people aren't really thinking about in terms of training camp and whatnot, Keyshawn Vaughn versus Chase Edmonds you know, for those running back two opportunities. Both guys have a lot to prove mad. Both of them are going into contract years. Chase Edmonds signed a one year prove it deal. Keyshawn Vaughn is on the last year of his rookie deal. So both guys have a lot going or a lot riding on this upcoming season. And we'll see how Vaughn does. You know, Vaughn has not gotten the most opportunities with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People forget former third round pick 76th overall selection back in the 2020 NFL draft. I remember talking to a a lot of Bucks fans who were you know just kind of like puzzled a little bit at that selection what was the mindset behind that pick so far up to this point three years into his career Keyshawn Vaughn has not had a lot of opportunities now granted he's been playing behind Ronald Jones former second round pick Leonard Mm -hmm. Fournette former big money former first round running back and Rashad White you know recent third round pick you know Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's played behind all of those guys on the depth chart, so there hasn't been a lot of opportunities there. Now, while some person now some people can argue, well, you know, maybe there's a reason that you know Keyshawn Vaughn hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities, I and more so looking at it as possibly a victim of circumstance, just being kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit, not being able to get those types of chances to show what he can do. So I think that Keyshawn Vaughn's going to be one of the more interesting guys to pay attention to. That battle versus Chase Edmonds, who is going to prevail. Both guys have a lot of good momentum for themselves um, in terms of what they have showcased in these mandatory mini camps in OTAs and whatnot. Should be one of the more interesting battles going into training camp. Should they explore the veteran route? It's possible. I think that, that you could potentially look at maybe bringing in another guy. You, they've got some guys, like you said, Sean Tucker, uh, some other some other running backs, Ronnie Brown in there as well. They could probably do for maybe another veteran, but ultimately, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they also want to give Keyshawn Vaughn a chance as well and have him legitimately compete against Chase Edmonds.
0: Yeah, I would shy away from bringing in another veteran. Uh, I know everyone has talked about Ezekiel Elliott or Dalvin Cook. I think that would be a gross misuse of uh, the rest of the free agency funds that the Bucs have. I really think they should just let Rashad do his thing as the starter. And I know Dave Canales has been extremely complimentary of really everyone, but, you know, went out of his way to talk about Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm just not buying it with Keyshawn. I don't dislike the guy at all. I think he's properly fine as a, you know, as a third overall running back. I think Chase Edmonds wins that job as RB two, which I think is good because Edmonds can get banged up here and there and and he's bounced around. I think Vaughn is gonna be more of a special teams guy. As you said, his last year on the contract, and I don't think he's in Tampa after this season. That's why it makes me excited for some of the undrafted uh, free agent running backs like Ronnie Brown, who Skip Pete went out of his way to talk about when I asked him specifically about Sean Tucker. And then he started talking about Ronnie Brown after he got into Tucker. And the hype train behind Tucker is gigantic right now. Calling him a baby Nick Chubb. um, (laughs) we'll We'll see what's up with him. But he might be one of the most exciting guys to watch once he's ready to go in training camp.
1: Yeah, real quick. I want you to bring up that that photo real quick yeah. of, of, of Sean Tucker. I mean, you know, let, let's go ahead and take a look at that photo real quick, because when, whenever you look at, I mean, look at the biceps, man. Yeah. <laughs> My gosh, that that man is looking jacked. I mean, yeah, there's a reason people are calling this guy baby Nick Chubb. He's built like a freaking tank, Matt. Uh, uh, this is a guy that I think if he is fully healthy and, you know, we'll have to wait and see what the situation is regarding that. He's a guy that really, really can surprise some people. I've even talked to some people, Matt, where, hey, if he's fully healthy and he makes that big of an impact, he could be a guy that you you may consider at running back to if he really is able to make that much of an impact. Now, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think you've certainly, you know, got a really ease in Sean Tucker. It is very unfortunate for him that he has yeah. not been able to participate in any of these early offseason workouts. He's got a lot of catching up to do. But you look at him, you look at Ronnie Brown, those are some interesting, you know, undrafted running backs that the team brought in. Those are guys that, you know... very well could have been drafted but somehow fell to the bucks in terms of undrafted guys they've got a a good bright young group of running backs that certainly have a lot of potential but the biggest question for Sean Tucker is when is he going to be available you see the size certainly and going back to college you've seen the ability there for Tucker it's just all a matter of being able to get out there on the football field to showcase what he can do and I I see a comment from Shane here you know talking about definitely worth the gamble yeah I think that that's certainly a uh, a guy that's worth checking out and sean tucker you know seeing what he can do but he's certainly got to get out there and get on football field to uh be able to showcase his potential and his ability
0: yeah he is built uh built huge we'll, we'll just say that i i want to see him truck some people this year if he's able to play um and he's like fairly quick too you know not necessarily home run speed but he's not just like uh you know, a, a powerhouse and that's about it. Like he has a little bit of everything. I would like to see him in goal line situations. That would be cool. Uh, Wayne Hankinson says Rashad White and the O-line have to prove themselves this season. I think the whole running game as a whole needs to. to oh, yeah. Prove themselves. But, you know, running game offensive line goes hand in hand. Uh, Shane says not having White on there could be good. He likes to prove people wrong. I think he's going to be one of our best weapons. And then Shane follows up saying, I'm with you, James. I think our running back room Looks solid. Now, the most solid room in terms of your starters, of course, is going to be the wide receiver room, which we will talk about in just a moment. Well, you want to talk about solid, you want to talk about great, you got to be talking about Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. There are so many different flavors of Celsius Energy Drinks to choose from. So make Celsius your number one pick, whether you're having that Oasis 5 Celsius sparkling lemon lime the sparkling orange the uh, arctic vibes my personal favorite cucumber limes great too Jackrabbit, uh, strawberry lemonade so so many different flavors um zero sugar or preservatives uh no crash or anything like that when uh when you have the energy drink so it's just great to enjoy and help you uh keep it moving if you want to find out where to get a celsius energy drink or we can buy one Go to the Celsius store locator on their website. Punch in your address, and it will tell you the closest geographical location where you can go out and buy one, whether it's your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, or your bodega. If you want to get them in bulk, which I would recommend because of all the different flavors they have, go to Amazon. Get that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. You can have it sent to your house or apartment every week, month, quarterly, yearly. Have it sent to your residence Uh, Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Make Celsius your number one pick Celsius, the official sponsor of the Peter report podcast. All right. This next position is one that uh, maybe the most exciting position in the NFL outside of quarterback, but one that is near and dear to Bucks fans hearts because they have two of the best in the game. Of course, we're talking about Mike Evans. We're talking about Chris Godwin, You see both of them in that photo. The wide receiver position. And if you look at the rankings, these ones came out uh, the end of May by Sam Monson, who also wrote the quarterback one. The highest rated Buccaneers wide receiver is Mike Evans at 11. And of course, again, with this ranking uh, top 32 in the league, Chris Godwin, 10 spots later comes in at 21 on this list. So what Monson had to say about Evans, the consistency shown by Evans throughout his NFL career has been remarkable. He has caught more than 65 passes for at least 1,000 yards in all nine of his seasons, and in six of those years, he recorded eight or more touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Injuries have started to bite over the past few seasons, limiting his effectiveness if not keeping him off the fields. That's not totally true. Uh, but he remains an elite target, particularly downfield. Now for Chris Godwin, Monson says, Godwin's best season came back in 2019, but he has been a consistently excellent receiver from primarily the slot throughout his NFL career. He has never once caught less than 50% of his contested targets over a single season, and for his career has come up with 60.7% of such passes, one of the highest rates In football. Now, James, we've talked a lot about potential and what they can be. We know what Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are. So when you look at this list, let's just talk about where they were last season, looking at this list compared to the other wide receivers. Are they properly rated or should there be some changes one way or another?
1: Yeah, well, well, firstly, in the case of Mike Evans, you know, I think I've, you know, first thing I want to say about this is uh, thank you for Mike Evans getting that ranking of number 11, because, you know, I, it's it's some good respect there, right? To have Mike Evans at number 11, you know, you have him above guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Garrett Wilson, DK Metcalf. I think if this was like a list. You know, a few years ago, Mike Evans would have been further down this list. But I think now right. he's, he's starting to get more national recognition. Right now, I will say I agree with you. Where it says if not keep, you know, limiting his effectiveness, if not keeping him off the field, you can't say this guy is the essence of consistency. But then say that you know it limits his effectiveness. I think he's plenty. yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's plenty effective. Also, he's only missed three games the past three years something along those lines like he's never played less than 13 games in a season so to say that the guy's like you know injured a lot i think that that's a bit of a stretch but i think it's a very good ranking there for mike evans at number 11 i think that that is a a very fair ranking right the guys above him Debo samuel cd lamb mclaurin brown cooper cup Diggs, chase hill jefferson and adams you know, it's tough to argue. You know that those guys are worse than Mike Evans. You know, in mm-hmm. terms of just in all around types of things. Chris Godwin. You know, I don't know if this is just diving in more so th- the fact that you know Chris Godwin. He he had you know was coming back from a, a really tough injury last year. He still had a I think a very overall good year in in terms of overall stats and whatnot. But I, I think that Godwin. You know, and even he talked about it that he's you know pretty much back, you know, 99% from that injury, still at a thousand yards last year, you know, has still been able to showcase some, some overall, just, just really, really good ability. Right. So I think, you know, Godwin, I think you can make an argument, should probably be a little bit higher, maybe say like number 18, something along those lines, I think would be a fine ranking for Godwin. Um, I think, you know, Godwin's one of those guys that could certainly jump up a couple of spots on this list as well, uh, depending on how he does this upcoming season. But overall, both rankings, especially, you know, in the case of Mike Evans, I think it's a pretty fair ranking.
0: I would bump Mike up into the top 10. Um, You know, Terry McLaurin at eight and CD at nine. I I could see, like, I would put Mike and Debo above those two guys because I do think there is some precedent of doing it consistently where, like, you know, at times C.D. Lamb can just kind of check out of a game. And, like, there were times when Amari Cooper was on the Cowboys, that Cooper was the star wide receiver and C.D. was playing second fiddle. And then you throw in those running backs. I mean, you can make a case that, You know, I know Ezekiel Elliott's not on the Cowboys anymore, but Zeke and Tony Pollard were way more important to the Cowboys' success than what C.D. Lamb did, you know? So, like, Mike Evans, you knew that he was the guy on offense for the Bucs. Like, even with Gronk and even A.B., like, Mike was still the guy consistently scoring and obviously getting those a 1,000 yards. And, you know, Terry McLaurin obviously has had a lot of success coming into the league playing on a bad team with Washington. Uh, pretty high PFF grade as well, um, but and he's worked with a, a couple of bad quarterbacks. But so was Mike Evans in his entire career. So I understand the the excitement and athleticism with Terry McLaurin. But personally, I would put Debo at eight, Mike at nine, and then bump down Terry McLaurin and uh, and uh, C D Lamb. As far as Godwin goes, I think. You know, injuries obviously obviously hurt him a lot last year. If this was 2019, Chris Godwin, or even, you know, the uh, 20, what was it? 2021, Chris Godwin, when he, when he tore his ACL, mm-hmm. um, either versions of that Chris Godwin, I think he's right around, you know, 12 where DeAndre Hopkins is. But like, honestly, you know, cause he was, yeah. He was going buck wild by Bro. the end of uh by the end of that before he got hurt. Um, Bro, to get, to get to
1: 20 yeah. 2019 Chris Godwin was a menace. Like Absolutely. He was going crazy.
0: Yeah, like no question about it. He was popping off. But you look at some of the people like DeAndre Hopkins 12, I get that, but that's out of more respect than anything else. Garrett Wilson at 13 As myself that watches the New York Jets, I'm very happy with that ranking. But I think it's tough for Garrett Wilson. He was Rookie of the Year to automatically put him at 13. Also, again, like longevity and just proving it for more than one year. I'm in Ross St. Brown. That was without question a breakout year for him. He automatically gets put 15 because of that? I don't necessarily know. Then You have DJ Moore at 16, Waddle at 17, Devontae Smith, uh, T. Higgins, and Brandon Ayuk before you get to Godwin. I think you can get Godwin into the top 20, Uh, but overall I I, I think they are pretty properly rated. Uh, Yeah.
1: Like I, I think in the case too, like there's a few things that would change, right? Like, you know, the first DK, you know, being below Garrett Wilson, like you said, like pro football folks does do this sometimes and, you know, not to knock them, you know, love the folks over at PFF and what they do. But, you know, there are some times where, you know, if, if some guy has one, you know, really good year, they'll, shoot them to the moon on some of these lists you know guys going to their second year and whatnot so yeah there is definitely some rearranging you could do on this list overall still though the fact that the bucks have you know essentially a guy basically in the top 10 and a guy in the top 20 basically at that wide receiver position is pretty wild in my
0: opinion yeah one of the only lists where the bucks have More than one player. And I guess like with quarterback and running back, you're not going to see too many differences there. Uh, Let's get to a couple of comments. Charlie Abraham says, I think Evans, I I like Evans ranking. Sorry. Uh, But I think that Godwin can play himself into the top 15. Football fan says Godwin should have been 12. Is that a little uh, play on his old jersey number, which obviously he uh, cares about a lot? Charlie Abrahams then says, I also like Matt's take right now. Definitely think Mike could be eight and nine. Wayne says both will have great seasons in this new offense. Uh, A couple others as well that people like. Did I get
1: to? Yeah,
0: Wayne in the beginning said Evans and Gom could both get 1,200 yards this season. That would, I mean, that would be a great year for the Bucs offense. (laughs) Um, We'll see how the ball gets distributed. I'm not willing to make that assumption just yet. I want to watch a little bit more training camps before we we go that high. What do you think?
1: The the fact that, you know, these guys have had three seasons, you know, not back to back to back, but have had three separate seasons where both of them have gotten a thousand yards is already pretty freaking crazy. In my opinion, yeah. like that's, that's an <laughs> insane duo, um, I mean, geez, Louise, man. So, I mean, you know, we'll see if they both get 1,200. I mean, that'd be freaking wild. Uh, I think that whoever's the quarterback at that point would be would be eaten pretty good. You know what I mean? If both guys are getting 1,200 yards, good Lord, man. Like,
0: that'd be nuts. It's very interesting looking at this list. And depending on what happens this year with Dave Canales and everything we've already talked about, you could see so many more Upgrades for Bucks players in these rankings, or you could see guys even come off this list, uh, or at least move lower. You know, even if the Bucks have a bad year, I don't think Mike or Chris are completely coming off of the list.
1: No. Baker
0: can't go that much lower. Rashad White's not even on it, and this next position group, spearheaded by Kate Odden, who's going into his second year does not find any Buccaneers on this list either. Now, this list, for whatever reason, is a top 15 tight end rankings by PFF going into the 2023 season. This is written by John Costco. This came out in uh, late May as well. Um, He breaks it up into different tiers, starting with Elite, where you have Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, George Kittle. Really tough to argue that. Uh, Tier 2, which is highlighted as great with potential to become Elite, you got Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Pat Fryermuth, Kyle Pitts. I, I wouldn't put Kit, uh, I wouldn't put Pitts in tier two at the moment. Just like, I don't know, he hasn't really had much production. Mm-hmm. Uh tier three, good, but needs pieces around to be great. Dalton Schultz, Taysom Hill at nine. Whoa. Wow.
1: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, oh
0: geez. I just go back to that uh Bucks Saints game last year when Taysom Hill makes that catch to get a first down. Game's over, but Keanu Neal uh, rocked it out of him uh, in that game. David Njoku, 10. Darren Waller, 11. Dawson Knox, 12. Uh, Chigo Zem Okonoko, uh, uh, the Titans tight end. <laughs> uh, Evan Ingram at 14 and Gerald Everett at 15. So no Kate Otten, no Payne Durham, no Co-Keeft. I can't say I'm totally shocked about this one. You know, Kate Otten had a nice season as a rookie. Um, you know, didn't really turn any heads necessarily. I don't even know this year if he can be put into the fifteen top 15. But with that said, I still feel pretty like optimistic about the bucks tight end group just to be productive and effective. And I think that's really all you need in this offense. No one has to be Gronk. No one has to be Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, you just, need the, you just need the tight ends to really pitch in when they need to, and I think Kate Otten can do that, and we'll see what's up with Payne Durham. What do you think, James?
1: Yeah, I mean, firstly, I want to say, bro, Evan Ingram had 766 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns last year, and he's below Taysom Hill.
0: Yeah, and- the Taysom Hill thing, I respect <laughs> any writer. I don't mean to cut you off, James. I apologize. Yeah, yeah no, no. Tays- Taysom Hill at nine is uh, pretty, pretty – Outlandish. shocking
1: shocking <laughs> let's say uh I don't I don't even think Taysom you know anyway I don't even Taysom Hill should just have his own list by himself yeah. anyway but <laughs> uh, you know to, to to talk about our you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end room you know our thoughts and opinions on that is you know look right now like it's understandable why the Bucs wouldn't have a tight end on this list While there is a lot of optimism and a lot of you know, good things being said about a guy like K. Dotton, a guy like Payne Durham. It's a pretty young, inexperienced room right now, Matt. Like Kay Dotton and co are the quote-unquote veterans, and they're yeah. in year two. Um, so th- this is a room that I would say has the most to prove out of any room that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have besides quarterback, of course you know, out of, you know, overall productivity and just ability, right? You know, because you have former sixth round picks, Payne Durham and co You have former fourth round pick, Kate Otten here. You know, it it's going to be interesting to see how these guys do, right? I know a lot of people love Kate Otten. I know a lot of people like the idea of co and all the different things that he can do. I know a lot of people like the size and the red zone threat ability of a Payne Durham, but we got to see this group actually go out there get some reps under their belt come game time and actually showcase what they can do come game time as well. So this, this to me, you know, is, is a thing that, yeah, it does make sense that a Tampa Bay Buccaneer would not be on this list. There's Tanner to tu- by uh, as well, by the way, another guy who got some praise he did. from, from Dave Canales. So, You know, it's, yeah, it's a group that has a lot to prove, Matt. I think that's a safe thing to say. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that this group is young. They don't have a ton of NFL experience. And, you know, those guys are going to be getting some opportunities this upcoming year. And it should be one of the more interesting situations to follow.
0: Yeah, without question. And I like when you said that the tight ends have the most to prove this year. Because I was going to say that tight end, in my opinion, is the one position at least on the offensive side of the ball that I think could benefit most from having a veteran presence in there. And when I say veteran yeah. presence, I just mean a guy, maybe he already knows this offense or just a guy that's going to be a coach and a mentor to these yeah. players. Now they had it last year a little bit with um, Cam Brait and, uh, and Kyle Rudolph, but they were also like taking these players playing time, you know, like Cam brait was utilized a lot. Kyle Rudolph, Got in there, scored a touchdown last season. I want a veteran to come in and not see the field at all. They don't even need to dress on game days. I just want a veteran tight end in there to um, coach up all these young, exciting players such as K. Dotton, co Keith, and Payne Durham. Speaking of Payne Durham, Thursday's show, he is going to be part of the Peter Report podcast. He's coming on as a guest on Thursday where we do it at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So – Uh, Continuing a run of having players and coaches uh, on the Peter Report podcast. And we're very excited to have Payne Durham on this Tuesday. uh, Sorry, this Thursday. Today is Tuesday. This Thursday (laughs) at 7 p.m. Make sure you uh, get ready to watch it because it should be fun with him on the show. Uh, Let's see. Um, Charlie says, Taysom Hill being ranked is laughable. LOL. And Wayne says, I don't think the tight end group will do much this season. I mean, Kate Otten had his moments last year. A couple of touchdowns late, produced in the second half, and scored the game-winning touchdowns uh, and game-tying touchdowns too uh, in-, in games late in the year. So k Otten, I think, is at least building an okay resume. And I think the biggest improvement that the Bucs can have really at tight end specifically is the work in the red zone. And that's kind of like why they drafted Payne Durham. And I think Kate Otten uh, can – can play a role in that as well. And if they could produce in the red zone, that would be absolute money. And speaking of money, if you want to manage your finances to the best of your ability, Amuni Financial can help you.
1: At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now.
0: Congratulations, you we're so happy Thank for you. you, thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating How's retirement
1: Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow. Today, a muni financial plan ahead, stay ahead.
0: That's right. Make a call over to muni financial. They can help you in so many different ways, whether it's uh, advisory uh, legacy and retirement. Uh, if you got to pay for your child's, uh, you know, college degree, if you got kids going to college, they can help you with uh, smart investments and savings and uh, annuities and sales and tradings as well. So give them a call immunity financial uh, based out of Colorado, but can help you uh, anywhere around the world, which is great. So Immunity financial, check them out. The last position, as we wrap things up, this show is absolutely flown by oh yeah um the last position it's actually a group effort because it's the offensive line now this story was written uh by sam Monson, who's done a couple of of the other ones this one was written on june 13th he ranks all the offensive lines as a group the bucks came in at 14th uh and with you know the proper offensive line tristan Wirfs at left tackle Filer at guard, Ryan Jensen at center, Cody Mauk at right guard, and Luke Gedeke at right tackle. Um, the right up there is the Bucs are taking a gamble that arguably the best right tackle in football will transfer that play to the left side where uh, he played in college. Versus is early enough into his career. That should be fine, uh, but it's certainly a risk. Tampa Bay's line will now have to play its trade without Tom Brady in the fastest average time to throw and then an NFL, which made their lives easier. Uh, what I think does help is that Dave Canales' offense is, you know, pretty quick release, and you know, getting getting the ball out on on shorter routes will definitely help with the blocking scheme. But James, 14th, I thought this was a great rank. I think the Bucks Ooh. should be ranked way, way lower or higher, I guess, than than 14. Uh, Bucks' offensive line is getting a lot of praise for not playing that well last year.
1: No, and, and and there's so many different things going on with this O line right now, right, Matt? Like you have Ryan Jensen coming back from a pretty bad, significant injury. You know how is he going to look? You have another new starting right, or another new starting pair of guards, and Matt Filer, and in potentially Cody Mock, or possibly even. Uh, you know, Robert Hainesy in there as well. We'll have to see who wins those starting guard jobs. Luke Gedeke is moving over from left guard to right tackle. How is he going to do? Tristan Wirfs is going to move over from right tackle to left tackle. How is he going to do? This entire offensive line is full of, you know, certainly some risks and definitely a lot to prove types of situations, right? And I'm going to tell you right now, Matt, if it does work out, This O-line is going to be looking pretty darn good, right? If Tristan Wirfs can showcase he is just as good of a left tackle as he is a right tackle, first off, I've said it before and I'll say it again, that man's going to get a bag. He is going to get paid. And if Luke Gedecky is able to showcase dramatic improvement at right tackle versus how he played at left tackle, that's very good as well. And then you've got Matt Filer, a very capable veteran at left guard. You've got Cody Mock potentially coming in at right guard. We would see how he would do. But also, I don't think you can count out a guy like Robert Hainsey. Also, I think that Robert Hainsey was one of those guys who was slated to be uh, this team's starting guard at either left guard or right guard before Ryan Jensen had went down with this injury. So there's a lot of different guys who have a lot of different ability. And I don't necessarily think that the starting offensive line, that Pro Football focus gave is the one that's going to be set in stone, uh, you know, especially at the guard yeah. positions. I think you pencil that in, but there's a lot of risk to this offensive line, um, which could potentially lead to phenomenal rewards, Matt, but it has to, you know, remain to be seen here.
0: Yeah, the only part of the offensive line that I feel good about is the left side. And that's even with Tristan Wirfs moving from right to left. So there's still a little bit of a question, as PFF kind of pointed out in their article. It is a lot. And Filer, like, new guy coming from a different team. So you don't know how that chemistry is going to gel, at least right away. Um And then you look at the right side, everything you said, like two unproven guys, a a player that had to move positions because he struggled at guard and now got to keep playing tackle. Malk being a a rookie. And then Ryan Jensen, how is he going to look from that surgery? Or at least coming back from that injury, I should say, because he rehabbed it. A lot, a lot of question marks. For them to be put at 14, I thought they should have been ranked way higher, especially when they were ranked above teams such as the 49ers, who have one of the best offenses in the league, and the Miami Dolphins, same thing. But – What excites me about that is you look at the 49ers who come from the Kyle Shanahan offense um, and you look at the Dolphins who come from the Mike McDaniels type of offense. Dave Canals isn't exactly that, but there are certain similarities and traits from it. If people are holding the the Bucks offensive line in that regard with this new offense, they have a ton of, uh, you know, exciting possibilities in front of them to be that much better and just be that great of a unit in general. So while I disagree with the overall rankings that they should be way higher on the list, like maybe even into the twenties based on the fact that they were ranked 32nd overall uh, in running the ball last year, at least with this new style of offense, you could be looking at something um, a little bit better going into uh, this year. But yeah, that may be the most surprising ranking out of any of the bucks players or groups Um, out of all of these positions but curious what everyone thinks the pewter people feel free to comment on this list um with how you feel about it and while you're doing that make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms on twitter facebook and instagram at pewter report and of course our youtube channel which you're on right now is pewter report tv uh james has been doing a fantastic job putting out videos on a daily basis we got a ton of content uh, and more to come, especially when training camp gets here. And we get a couple more press conferences, interviews, and uh, you know training camp clips as well. So please like and subscribe to this uh, YouTube channel. We'd really appreciate it. We appreciate all the Pewter people as well. Just a reminder, tomorrow's show is at 7 p.m. We talked about the offense today and their pro football focus rankings. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the defense and where PFF has them ranked at each position. And then, of course, on Thursday, we got Payne Durham coming on the show. Bucks rookie tight end. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up over the next two days at 7 p.m. Eastern time. But That's going to do it for us on today's show. For James Hill, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow at 7 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Thank you.